What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Extremely Decent Video Game Podcast, episode number 31-ish. I'm not quite sure the number like I never am. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jay Lewis. Joining me today, as always, is my good man, Nathan Hodge. How's it going, good sir? I am hanging in there, man. I have been battling a cold for the last couple of weeks, so uh, I am just barely pulling through today. All right, so the trick is, Nate, you need to take a uh, green herb and a red herb and mix them together, and then, like, that'll give you max health. I can tell you've been playing Resident Evil lately. Yeah, so let's just get right into that. Uh, (laughs) I wanted to talk a little bit about it. First and foremost, I wasn't actually going to get Resident Evil 2 at launch. I was going to wait till it went on sale and grab it then because I was trying to save my money for uh, Metro Exodus. That was the one that I was kind of leaning towards because I want to play something new. And uh, I I like everything about what I'm seeing out of Metro Exodus. I love the stealth combat and stuff. But I was watching a Let's Play on my TV, what was it, two nights ago. And my wife, she sat down she's watching it with me because I'm watching on the big TV. I was just beaming YouTube to my television. And uh, she's watching and uh, she's like, oh, this isn't that scary at all. It's like believe me this game is freaking scary she's like no bullshit and i was like uh we gotta play this game she's like yeah we should she's like go ahead and buy it we'll stream it so uh i i got the okay from the wife to buy the game we haven't streamed it yet but uh i did play it for about two and a half hours before uh we got on this podcast today anyone that wants to check out any gameplay footage go check it out on uh twitch uh my name is uh, game day J on there and you can see my stream bro this fucking game is amazing i don't know if you've watched any let's plays or any videos of it yet have you seen anything i have seen some gameplay footage um my real big question is is how much does it play like resident evil 4 okay so i know you were seeing some articles saying that they kind of uh pulled some of their inspiration for the control scheme from resident evil 4 i'm not getting resident evil 4 vibes at all dude like if anything this feels like a kind of faithful recreation to uh resident evil 2 minus the fact that you know it's not top down view it has those weighted controls like the second one did that almost like builds tension inside the game i definitely don't get any resident evil 4 vibes from it if that makes any sense uh yeah i guess my, I guess what I was most curious about is like whether it had like the over the camera view constantly, like over like, the shoulder view. Over the shoulder, yeah. Yeah, like I know there's, it's pretty much yeah that that same that camera view. But if you want to change it, I know in the options. Actually, I got the game pulled up right right now because I know you can tweak that. Yeah, because under camera it says uh, camera uh inversion so normal gameplay and then it's lets you go y-axis x-axis x and y none and then with aiming you can change the accesses but it doesn't look like you can change the oh yeah okay right here so you can change the field of view you can change the camera speed uh it even has uh where you can um make the camera wobbly or non-wobbly so anything that's going to be in regards to that like if you're somebody that doesn't like that over the shoulder view because i know some people have issues with claustrophobia i mean that's kind of what this game's like 
core mechanic is is to make you feel like you're you know in a claustrophobic situation but yeah you can tweak the camera however you want it so that's that's pretty dope i didn't realize it was that deep um i'm not having a problem with it i kind of like where the camera sits um what's your what's your thoughts on that um do you like it to be over the shoulder or would you tweak it at all I think, I mean, for me personally, the closer it is to Resident Evil 4, the more I'm going to like it. Resident Evil 4 is like my entry into the franchise. So if, if it controls anywhere close to that, I think I'd be real satisfied. Yeah, from the looks of it, you can probably mask it almost like completely because like I said, the big thing in 4 is the camera speed and this one lets you, you tweak it um, however you want and then yeah the field of view so you can kind of zoom out on, on your character a little bit because if i'm not mistaken four was kind of further away from the character correct i believe that was yeah. yeah it wasn't really on the shoulder like this one is so yeah you can definitely uh tweak it that way but um aside from the camera dude like uh the gameplay fuck dude it's so good man um the way they use the combat knife in the game like adds a new uh, depth to the game uh, because one of the game's like mechanics is like you know you know how the game is with the bullets you always only have a certain number of bullets and it's never in the character's favor um, so using that combat knife dude it's it's vital um, and like if you go to stab a zombie there's a chance that your combat knife will get stuck inside the zombie and then you can't get it back until you kill the zombie so it does force you to use your weapon like here and there and uh i'm actually using um assisted uh aim assist um i find it to be funner to play that way this game is already difficult and the fact that you know headshots don't necessarily kill the zombie like you could shoot it three times in the head and it will down the zombie but then you know about five or six seconds later he'll reanimate and and get back up so um using that combat knife is awesome if the zombie grabs you yeah it'll prompt you to use l1 to where you can pretty much one shot it and uh, your knife will get stuck in the skull, and then you have to remember to pull it back out. And then there is a uh, weapon detrigation. What am I trying to say? Uh, I always say that word incorrectly. Uh, degradation? Degradation. Um, so, yeah, um, you only have so much use with the combat knife. But um, I was kind of scavenging some of the dead um, you know, uh, officers' corpses, and I was able to obtain a second one. So it does seem like... Even though, uh, you know, you can only use one for so long, it's not finite like before. Um, there is, you can have multiple knives on you at once. But then, you know how this game kind of revolves around the inventory system. And early in the game, you can only fill like six slots. But in my two and a half hours playing, I've already found two hip pouches, which enables you to carry more items. I think I'm up to like, nine or yeah i want to say it's like nine items at this point i'm only two and a half hours in uh but it does make you want to constantly go to a you know your locker and and save valuable items that you don't necessarily need at the moment and uh i'm saving just about as often as i possibly can i believe on the harder difficulty setting like hardcore you can only have a certain amount of saves um, you have to find these ink ribbons, which 
you know, uh, effectively act as uh, your your save. So if you only have one or two ink ribbons, that's how many times you can save. So that's another reason I didn't really want to play on hardcore mode. Like, um, again, it doesn't really immerse me in the game at all. I mean, if I beat it, because um, I heard it's about a nine or ten hour playthrough per character, so I'll probably beat it on normal mode and then go back and give it a shot at hardcore and see if uh, I can handle it. <laughs> Yeah, those hardcore modes are, uh, that's for when you really like the game and you really want to challenge yourself. Yeah, and I definitely am, am going to at least check it out. I'm loving every minute of this game. The 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 graphics are amazing, dude. Like, the animations on the zombies, like, there's no game that's even close to it um, that I played. Um, the one thing they weren't able to kind of fix is like the, the character animations, like the faces, like, you know how, like, uh, especially you see it a lot in like Bethesda games and RPGs where the, the teeth and the eyes look extremely weird, almost yeah. like they're popping out of their head. Well, uh, that's found its way into this game as well. And I just kind of get put off by the, the, the facial animations, especially when Claire and Leon are talking to each other, kind of takes me out of it a little bit. But um, that's my only real complaint when it comes to the visuals itself. Um, the little cutscenes are outstanding, uh, particularly as soon as the game starts off. Uh, I don't want to spoil in any story, but yeah, it, it starts off on this truck driver. And just the way they made his truck look and his character look, and even the way he's talking, the voice acting is so good. Um, there's an extreme amount of polish on this game, and I think it's definitely going to be a contender for a uh, game of the year. I mean, it's uh, I think anyone that wanted a Resident Evil 2 remake, um, this is about as good as you can hope for, man. I'm really digging it. Can't wait to keep playing it some more. Like I said, follow me on Twitch to check out all my Let's Plays, uh, Game Day J on Twitch. Uh, but I'm curious to hear what obscure your game you're currently playing. Well, uh, I'm actually not playing a game that's too obscure. I'm knocking out a game that was in, well, it was on my back catalog, a game that I've been wanting to play for a while. I was able to pick it up at a discount. So I'm currently into Near Automata, or Nier Automata, however you want to pronounce Nier it. It's Near Automata. So, yeah, so I've gotten into that recently. Um, it's it, it's hard to, like, describe this game because it's really weird and it it doesn't feel like a next-gen game. It, it really looks like it was supposed to be on, like, the PlayStation 3 or something, but it plays very well. Very intriguing. So... I've been having uh, the most fun just experiencing the characters in the game. Because as I don't know how much you know about it, but I'll give like a brief overview of the plot. Mm -hmm. And you basically play as an android who is sent to Earth to fight alien robots. And as weird as that sounds, they actually do some interesting stuff with the concept. Like the androids are starting to get emotions and the alien robots that are on Earth are, you know, starting to form societies and becoming self-aware. So there's, a, like, a lot of little uh, sociological things going on between your characters and what you think are the enemies. 
So I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's a great game. I would highly recommend picking it up. It's It's got kind of like an open-world action-adventure RPG feel to it. Because you, you more or less have like a, a main hub that you can go to to resupply and upgrade equipment. And then you can wander out into the world and go take on various side quests or mission quests or what have you. And I, I just beat the game on its first route last night. And I was unaware that you could play it again as different characters. Yeah, and so, I, isn't that this game's like one of its core mechanics is like that's the whole goal is to go back and replay it the second time because it unlocks new areas and new abilities and stuff like that? Yeah, that's what I'm finding out. Um, it took me about 17 hours to get through the first storyline, and then it basically starts over and tells the story again from uh, the other android that you're paired with's point of view. And I really like it. I, I'm not usually big on that concept, but they use it really well here. Um, you get to see things from a completely different perspective, which is kind of rare because usually in these kind of, you know, when you switch up character roles, you're pretty much just playing the same game over again with a different character model. This actually feels like you're playing a different storyline and seeing things completely differently. Is this so, kind of like a hack and slash? I'm pulling up some images here and I noticed like she's got like a sword on her. Is it like a hack and slash or yeah, more like a, I would okay. I would closely equate it to a hack and slash. It feels very much like Devil May Cry meets Bayonetta. Um it's actually made by the same people who did Bayonetta. And so I'm all about that franchise. That was one of my favorite franchises. And so this this the combat system feels very much the same as that, except for you've got the added RPG elements. Yeah. What's going on with the turret? Like, my, my brother-in-law played this game, and he, he was telling me how, like, there's, like, a turret that follows you around, and that's, like, a big part of the core gameplay. Yeah, so you have a pod that is basically... Uh, it's like your little floating computer companion and uh you can upgrade it and use it to fire a long-range weapon uh in my first playthrough i had like the basic machine gun that you can use to strike from long distances and then i got a uh, multi-missile array that i got on another upgraded one and you can collect you can find other pods so you can have more than one to switch between that gives a little bit of change up to the combat dynamics. Now, it, and, now, is this pod? Does it have like a voice? Is it talking to you? Like, is there like a character interaction between you and the pod? Because it yeah, looks like a little I, robot that would be talking. Kind of reminds me of like Claptrap, if you're from more familiar with the Borderlands series. Yeah, it's kind of like Claptrap. Uh, obviously, it doesn't have much of a personality. It's just kind of a dry robot and. It, interaction with it is rather minimal. You're mostly interacting with the other android you travel with, but the pod will talk to you and tell you, like, hey, you know, you need to be doing this, or this is the situation right now. Oh, but, so he um, kind of helps give you some direction and stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think you could lean mostly on 
going towards a long range fighting style if you wanted to. There's a lot of customization options that you can kind of tweak your character with and your play style. So if you wanted to be like a long range kind of shooter game, uh, I think you could do that. I think you could kind of skew your abilities towards that if you wanted. I tried to be as balanced as I could be because I really like the close range combat in this game. But mm. there are definitely enemies and situations where you have to kind of rely on the long range combat too. Yeah. Now looking at some of this artwork, I noticed that both your character and like this this clearly android. Are you seeing this uh, picture that I have pulled up right now? Uh, I'm not seeing it on the screen now. Uh, okay, well, those watching are seeing it. Um, his arm is like torn off. You, you can clearly tell he's an android. But my question is, they're blindfolded. What what does being blindfolded serve to the game? Like, So I'm not quite sure about this yet. I, I think there was a quick allusion to it at the very final moments in the first story's arc. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they are blindfolded. There's a lot of story elements that haven't been revealed yet on my first playthrough, so I'm expecting that they're going to get more into that maybe in one of the other playthroughs. Gotcha. Well, I, I really dig the art style. One thing I remember seeing, because I did do some research on this game when it was when it was uh, being launched, uh, I was thinking about picking it up. Um, I noticed that in one of the videos that I watched that it goes it looks like just like an open world type of a uh, 3d environment, but then like uh, another vertical slice I saw, it was almost like on a 2d plane. Can you explain what's going on there? Yeah. So this is one of my favorite aspects of the game is that it utilizes various gameplay genres. So you'll have a section where you're flying around in a robot and it's like a top down shooter, like um, space invaders. It will go from that to being like your your mech will transform and you can go into like a uh, asteroids type uh, scenario where you're fighting enemies. Even when you're in ground combat, it can change drastically. It can go from being a 3D brawler to a side-scrolling platform to a top-down perspective. Now, is so, that like limited to bosses or could that just be like regular enemies in, in the world? It can be regular enemies. It usually has to do with like what section you're fighting through. Like uh, this, most of this will actually happen in the first 45 minutes of your gameplay. So I'm not really spoiling too much, but the first 45 minutes of the game will take you through all these different kind of uh, gameplay mechanics. So you'll get like a good taste of each one, but it really depends on where you're at and what you're doing when uh, it decides to shift gameplay. Yeah, I really like the art style. I'm looking at a picture right now, and it's just kind of her like looking down on some type of village, and there's like uh, fireworks blowing off in the sky. You see that in the game? Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> so there's a, an amusement part section. I was going to say because there's a Ferris wheel in the background here too. Yeah, that's that area is one of my favorite areas of the game. Um, it has this very Tim Burton-like surrealism to it. Oh, man, you're selling me, dude. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. That one section of the game is very interesting, and uh, I have my suspicions that the game actually takes place in Florida. Now, I can't. 
confirm this whatsoever. Um, but the landscape is completely flat, like you'd find in Central Florida. There's a there's a coastline, and then there's the amusement park, which looks eerily kind of like a destroyed Disneyland. So it's hard to say whether or not it does take place in Florida, but uh, I, I kind of feel like it does, or at least that's going to be my head canon is that this takes place in like the distant future of a destroyed Florida. Very interesting. Uh, do you know what um, time period that this is focused on? Like, obviously it's in the future, but how far in the future do you know? Do they say? If, if I remember correctly, it's around 5,000 AD. So it's like a few thousand years after our time. Hmm. And uh, I didn't see any human, like the humans are supposed to be on the moon now since the alien attack and they're just using the androids to wipe out the aliens. So uh, I'll probably learn more about that as I play more through the game too. But that's all I know so far about that much. Damn, dude, you're really selling me on this. As if my backlog wasn't big enough. Um, now this definitely looks like something I want to check out. 100%. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you can pick it up on a discount like I did. Um, and it's a pretty quick playthrough. Like I said, I played through the first scenario in about 16 hours. And I really did kind of take my time because I was doing as many side quests as I could just because I was having fun running around in the world. But um, one of the things I will warn players about when picking up this game is don't, don't expect to be impressed with the game graphically. It really does look like a PlayStation 3 era game, but uh, I can guarantee you that the gameplay mechanics, the combat, the RPG system, the upgrades, the variety of gameplay that can be found within the game, and the story itself is enough that you should definitely check it out if uh, you're into the sort of thing. Heck yeah, dude. I think I'm going to look into that one. Nate, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, recently Sony, uh, they um, had a reveal trailer for Days Gone. Um, it showed a little bit more of the world, uh, a little bit more of the mechanics that are going to be involved with the game. And they kind of turned the marketing around for some reason that um, whenever D Days Gone had that big feature reveal on... Um, what is it? Uh, Game Informer magazine. Uh, they showed off like a an hour worth of uh, you know combat, and they kind of tried to stay away from the story missions and stuff. But for whatever reason, it wasn't very well received when that happened. And slowly, I feel like uh, Sony's kind of honed it in and have done a lot better job at marketing this game, particularly this last trailer that just came out. And um, then today, right before we got on, I was reading an article here on playstationlifestyle.net everybody should go take a look at this article uh it's written by peter finaldi i think i'm saying that incorrectly but anyways um it kind of just was like trying to uh give people an idea on what to expect with this game um and inside the article it was just saying how like most uh, zombie games uh, that you play today, they either have some kind of multiplayer mechanic to them or they're like couch co-op. Um, there's not really deep lore in these zombie games. Um, inside this article, he was just kind of letting people know that if that is what you're expecting out of your zombie games, you might want to avoid this game. And that 
is what has my hype on a whole new level. They're saying that the story is pretty much the core focus of Days Gone. Um, I know we've talked about it a little bit in the past, Nate. Um, remind me what you thought of, about Days Gone, and uh, are you at at all intrigued with the uh, Northwest setting? Like, where are you at with this game? Um, from the little bit I've seen, I've, I recall a little bit of the new trailer. Um, I really like the biker aspect of it. Like, that's the main selling point of this game for me is that, you know, it, it seems like you can customize your bike and that's your, like, your main mode of transportation. Yeah, and so, in, this, in this article, too, he was saying how that that's, like, a major focus of the game is that bike, um, upgrading it, you know, getting a, a bigger gas tank so you can go to new areas on the map. And, um, you know, uh, if your your bike breaks down, you're able to kind of rummage through all these like junkyards and stuff so you can fix the bike and things of that nature. And it actually did say that there is no difficulty mode in the in the game. I guess this game is intentionally supposed to be pretty difficult. And um, if you if your bike is messed up then apparently it makes the game like 10 times more difficult and there's nothing that indicates where your motorcycle is at on your map if if you if you go too far from your bike and you don't remember where you parked it you can legitimately lose your motorcycle and have to start kind of from square one but continue uh that actually sounds really interesting like i like games that have kind of an added realism of difficulty to them Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an interesting aspect that's got me intrigued. Uh, was this also the game that had like the hordes of zombies that would run at you? Yes. And so they talk about that in the, in the article as well. And that is just one specific class of what they're calling freakers. They're not calling them zombies, but that is like the horde freakers. <laughs> Apparently, there's another one. Uh, it's a female zombie, and like what she is, she's like a screamer. So, if you see you're want you want to take her out first, so you want to do it quietly, so she doesn't know you're there. If you're able to successfully kill her before she screams and um, you know alerts the hoarders, then you'll have a lot easier time like getting your way through that area, and uh, you're able to successfully scavenge a lot easier without that big horde of zombies on you. It also said there was another zombie or freaker class called. Um, I forget what it was called, but it's it's a child zombie, and their mechanics completely different, and what their abilities are different. So there's more than just the horde. So that's just a whole nother uh, level of uh, awesomeness in the game. Okay, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. And um, oh, here we go. Um, yeah, the children have turned into freakers as well, and they hide in dark hideouts, forcing Deacon, who's your character, to enter with great caution. These young freakers climb walls and ceilings and can easily hijack Deacon from above. So that's pretty freaking crazy. <laughs> so they're going to be looming in the dark, basically. So if you go into like a barn or a shed or something and it's real real dark in there. I'm I'm assuming your flashlight's going to serve you pretty well there, but that just goes to show you that the world that they're creating, how, um, you know, it's going to have those jump scares much like a Resident Evil game would. So um, I think the level of, uh, you know, 
uh, scariness in this game is going to be pretty deep, and that has me even more hype. Um, another thing that they were saying in the article, too, is that basically, like, uh, your goal is to kind of... Um, like alleviate some of the the hordes in the area and after you successfully kind of like lower their numbers in that area once you've got them down low enough you can then progress to the next area so that's another mechanic in the game but everything i'm hearing about the game man uh i was already hyped for it but i'm even more more hype especially after this trailer and I've been in the forums kind of keeping an eye out, like just getting temperature checks on where this is at. Because the studio, uh, what is it? It's, um, god damn, I can't think of the studio now. But anyways, they have a lot riding on this game. This game's been in development for about six years now. And their last game didn't, it wasn't very well received. So the studio, uh, oh, Sony Bend is the studio, by the way. Um, they got a lot riding on this game, and um, I'm hearing a lot of rumors saying that if this game fails, they literally could go under. So I, I'm hoping for Sony Ben's sake that this game uh, is well-received. I know there's a lot of fans out there, their survival horror genre, and um, one of the things that I, I saw originally is that, oh, why would I play Days Gone when... Um, when um, The Last of Us 2 is right around the corner. So I feel like Sony's done a kind of... Uh, done a pretty good job of like letting people know like hey listen uh the last of us 2 don't don't uh, expect that game anytime soon that way they're giving uh days gone plenty of time to breathe and i think that that was uh rather smart on their behalf to do that uh, i'm just curious are you gonna plan on picking this up or are you gonna wait for a sale uh this is the type of game i'll probably wait on uh, reviews if if it really turns out to be an exceptional kind of open world survival experience i may end up checking it out otherwise i'll probably uh skip this one yeah yeah i'm hoping it it gets the the good scores and um uh i i implore you to read this article because it tells you all about it they're letting you know that it's not just a generic biker gang because that was one of the things going around the internet uh, you know, the characters have a lot of deep lore in them. The lore is actually inside the game. You don't have to go looking for it. So um, I'm extremely stoked for it. I just want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, that Pacific Northwest setting, it has me in Amber, dude. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, some good news after this latest trailer. Um, that brings us, Nate, to our our topic of the podcast. And uh you know, I, I told I told everybody last month that I wanted to uh, focus this episode on some of the awesome indies that are going to be coming out um, this year. And then uh, immediately after um, saying that Nintendo, um, they had like this big, uh, what do they call it, uh, Nindy announcement, if you will. Because a lot of people were upset that there was no uh, Nintendo Direct. But instead, they did this uh, new Nindies Direct, uh, and they uh, revealed nine new games. Nate, did you get a chance to uh, watch that video on all nine of the the new games announced, or did you were you able to uh, see any of these games? I remember browsing over it. I'm trying to pull it up right now to refresh my memory. Yeah, for those uh, viewing, I'm going to pull up the link right now. Um, should work. Let's see. 
Because yeah, I'm looking at a list of the announced games. Yeah. And but, some of these, like a, <laughs> like I know some of these have already been released. Right. For right. Uh, Nintendo. Right. But just looking over it, none of these are really like standing out. The thing with indies is, is, is like they gain most of their popularity after they come out, after they get good word of mouth. Right, right. So it's really hard to just take a look at some of these and say, oh, this one looks like it's going to be good because they all look very unique. They look, you know, like something you might want to check out, but you really have to kind of wait and find out if they actually press beyond you know, normal gaming conventions, because that's basically what you have to do with a lot of these indie games is, like, really push the envelope if you're going to do that old-school-style gameplay. Yeah, once the industry gets a hold of it and starts, you know, talking good things about it and you see some reviews come in, that's when these games tend to, uh, you know, take off. But one that I wanted to uh, talk about that really had my eye is Unruly Heroes. So... I'm going to pull it up now for those listening so I can show some screenshots. But I'm really, really, really digging this art style. It's 2D, and it really reminds me of a game back on the Vita. Do you know a game? Oh, man, I played it, and I was telling you about it. Um, shit. Do you do you remember what that side-scrolling indie game on the Vita was that I played? The, the characters, like the, the females, had big, uh, voluptuous breasts on the cover and stuff. And oh, I know exactly what you're talking about now. It was uh, Dragon's Crown. Dragon's Crown. So it really gives me Dragon's Crown vibes, dude. Minus the big breasts. But, um, I mean, the art style seems very similar. Um, this one seems really cool. Let me uh, read the description. The Sacred Skull, sc Scroll Preserving harmony in our world has been torn and scattered into the winds now strange and terrifying creatures are souling discord and chaos throughout the land inspired by the famous chinese novel journey to the west you ever read that one i know you're into I, that i am familiar with that one i've never read it oh okay unruly heroes tells the adventure of four totally opposed uh heroes who must collect all the scroll fragments and travel to fantastical worlds to restore balance or die trying this seems like a nate ass game right here i'm just gonna say that yeah i'm looking at screenshots of this right now and yeah this is definitely right up my alley yeah and like that's the thing too like when i i want to talk about indies dude i started looking at like uh you know this nindy announcement and i'm like you know my nintendo switch i think it's really just going to become the home to where i play all my indies much like I used to on the Vita. It's just perfect, man, to sit back in that handheld mode and uh, just just sit there and play these, like, you know, eight to ten hour indies. It's just perfect for it, man. I'm more hyped to do that on my Switch than I am to play their first-party stuff personally. I think I play most indie games on my Nintendo consoles, whether it's my 3DS or even on my Wii U, I played some good indie games on there. Yeah, so um, what's the Switch watch looking like? You still waiting? 
Oh man, the wait is getting harder and harder. Uh, I'm probably going to end up getting that soon. Um, of course, there that was a big news story this week is that Metroid Prime 4's uh, development basically got restarted, which was one of the big games I was waiting for to come to the Switch to really get me to buy the system. So mm. I'm okay with that, really. I'm okay with them saying, hey, the game's not up to our standards. We're just going to... We're just gonna do this whole thing over again, and we're gonna make it. We're gonna make sure it lives up to the standards of Metroid Prime series. So, how crazy is that, though? Just to start all the way over, man. That just goes to show how much that they believe in the game, and you know they don't want to mess it up. They're you know they don't want to upset fans, and you know that's why Nintendo uh, first party games when they come out, it's almost like you can have full confidence that you're gonna get a, an amazing experience. Um, am I upset that now they're going back to the drawing board? Yeah, I am, but. You know, I'm assuming they already have a lot of the art assets that that they need, and and I think that they're going back to the drawing board because they have a new focus. So I feel like the wait isn't going to be as long as people may be thinking it is. Uh, I don't think it's we're going to have to wait another four years for this game. I think they could probably get it done in two. I hope they can get it done in two because I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um... I certainly hope it doesn't take that long, but I do very much appreciate that at least they told us what was happening. And just kudos to Nintendo for not releasing a crappy game for just a quick cash grab. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I look forward to when you get your Switch, dude, because, I mean, it's only 25 bucks a year to play online, so that's a easier pill to swallow and uh you know we can play some smash brothers and stuff like that so i'm looking forward that to that and yeah dude when you look at this this list of indie games like the messenger that's a newer one that came out that came out august of last year um rave reviews on that one hollow knight got rave reviews dead cells celeste even got um nominated for game of the year last year you got Undertale, Stardew Valley is a great uh, game that just got a new multiplayer mode uh, attached to it. So that's another good one. You got Overcooked 2, which is a fun couch co-op game. Um, the, here's a newer one, Moonlighter. This came out uh, November of last year. Uh, really, really dope art style. Nate, I sent you a video of that one. I don't, I'm not sure if you remember, but that's a Nate-ass game right there. Yeah, Hyperlight Drifter. I mean, dude. The Nintendo Switch, you can say what you want about it, like not having that many, you know, big AAA games on the thing. Um, but if you look at the quality of the indies on this thing, I mean, and to me, like indie games, they're a lot more interesting because they can take bigger chances. You know, they have smaller budgets, so um, I just feel like they can do more with these indie games. And there's so many freaking awesome looking ones there's one that's coming to the xbox as an exclusive can't remember what it's called but it's a uh it's like a uh, cyberpunk it has a cyberpunk look to it and it's kind of like uh an 8-bit style um i gotta get you the name for that and uh you need to check that one out nate but yeah i think 2019 man this is gonna be where indies kind of like start coming into the mainstream i can see people starting to to play them a lot more than they used to especially since so many are coming to the switch and so many people are buying the switch um the switch actually has been beating uh the playstation 4 
Um, it's just selling like crazy, man. I think it's up to like 30 million units now. Jeez. So, yeah, dude. So, um, you know, you're, you're going to be getting one soon too. So I look forward to playing a lot of dope ass indies on it. Yeah, definitely. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably end up having to rebuy a lot of indies for that. Gladly yeah. too. Yeah. I was going to say light drifter. Yeah. When it comes to like indies like that, uh, I generally, if it's something that I'm vaguely interested in, I'll just buy it anyways. You know, it's uh, a small sacrifice to keep these studios being able to cr create new and interesting things. Housemark, Housemark Studios, like uh, their last game, like they're my favorite indie dev and uh, their last game, um, it was uh, Alien Nation. Um, I wasn't that big into it. I could tell I wasn't going to be that big into it. But because I love them so much, I went ahead and bought it just because, uh, you know, uh, Zombie Nation is or no Dead Nation. I'm sorry. Dead Nation is my favorite indie of all time. So, you know, sometimes you just throw these guys a bone so they can just keep making cool shit, you know. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely be doing that for Hello Games when their new indie comes out. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that one as well. There's just so many cool ones. Um, I wish I had a bigger list compiled, but we had so much to talk about this month. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about a lot more indies uh, in upcoming episodes. Maybe we should make it a point just in every episode just to highlight um, one that you know we've got our eyes on so uh, more people can be exposed to them. Uh, but, Nate, you got anything else you want to talk about? Good, sir. Are you uh, ready to wrap this thing up? Well, um, I uh, I also did a couple hours six, so I could give my quick impressions on that. I guess. Okay, I, go uh, right ahead. I'm been like a huge uh, fan of the Silver franchise, and I've been wanting to pick up the newest one because I heard that the creative one was pretty good, and I'd seen some interesting things come out of it. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and picked it up, and basically the characters in this game. I barely actually played the actual game. Um, the creative character is pretty good. I wouldn't say it was better than some of the previous installments, um, but it was it was good enough for me to create the kind of characters that I like to create. I basically make my own roster of fighters in these types of games and pretty much primarily use them. So in that regard, uh, I did enjoy my time with the game. Now, the one thing I wanted to talk to uh, everyone about this game was its story mode, which is awful, I have to say. Um, Yikes. Just so bad. It's basically, it's still images. And what, what will happen is, is you'll start a character's story mode. You'll get a perfect image with like 10 minutes of dialogue with a very rough background picture. Then you'll go into a one-round battle with some randomly generated fighter. And then you go through like another 10 minutes of dialogue with portrait boxes and hastily drawn backgrounds. So I can't really recommend the game for its storyline. I wish fighters wouldn't try to do that sort of thing. Fighting games are really for, you know, quick belts of fun and entertainment. So if you're going to have, like, a storyline to it, at least make it entertaining. At least make it dynamic. You know, have 
actual character models in these cutscenes reacting and doing stuff. Don't give me just portraits with dialogue boxes that go on forever. Yeah, that's, that's boring as crap. That's a big part of the, you know, the uh, reason people play those games is so you can see like the little intro moves when the characters come in. Like that's what those games are. So if you take that out, I mean, you you know, you're missing a big part of what those games purpose are, you know? It's almost yeah, like watching wrestling when you see your favorite wrestler like come into the rings. It's not even about the fight itself. It's about seeing your favorite characters like performing their entrance moves and things like that. That is the reason people play these games. Yeah, and you you still get that. You they, I mean, it does have an arcade mode where you can play as you know the classic eight matchup. But I would. For fighting games, story modes should be action-packed. They should be fast-paced. It shouldn't be like an RPG where... Well, okay, so I should I should say that there is a separate story mode and then there's another story mode within the game. I can't fault the game for not having enough modes to play through. The only way I can fault it is them just being boring. So the story mode is a lot like the create-a-character story mode, which is pretty cool. It's more like an RPG where you can level up your character and get specific, you know, stat-laden equipment and armor to make it through a story mode. So the fact that that's kind of long and drawn out is okay, but I wish they wouldn't have transposed that formula into the main game story mode where you play through as the pre-made fighters that have been with the franchise. I mean, you just don't need all that. That's just too much. So I'm never going to play that. Uh, that was a waste on their part to try to make that too long. I'm sure that there's some players out there who will who will love it, who will get all their money's worth from that. But for me, who just, am, especially nowadays, I'm leaning towards shorter play sessions and shorter games in general. I'm just, I don't want to spend 50 hours, you know, playing through cutscenes that aren't even really cutscenes, really. They're just dialogue boxes in my fighting game. So be wary of that if you're a Soul Calibur fan. Um, I also am a little embarrassed to say that I pretty much paid too much money for that game. Because not only did I buy it at its full $60 price point, I actually bought the two DLC characters. And I kind of screwed myself by not doing the research that I should have done. Because you can get additional create-a-character parts by getting the season pass, which I did not know. So I ended up buying two characters, and then I bought the season pass on top of that, just so that I could get everything that came with the game. So, yeah, uh, be wary of that. If you're really getting the game for the creative character and doing creative stuff of the game, just go ahead and get the season pass because it'll give you access to the characters that are coming out and their uh, creative parts. Don't do what I did and buy the DLC characters and then buy the season pass because then you're just going to waste $12. So, uh, lesson to be learned there. Uh, I feel like these fighting games are always getting you. (laughs) They're always taking your wallet. Because then I you have the same, yeah, with uh, Street Fighter V, man, you got nickel and dimed in that game, too. Yeah, Street Fighter V, oh, man, well, let's not go there. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fighting games do tend to get me with these practices. There's two games that I give a pass to for this. One is Super Smash Brothers. 
Um, right. They know that, how to that do game. It. Yeah, that game comes out with a ton of content, so I don't mind dropping the extra money on that. And Dragon Ball Fighters, the newest Dragon Ball fighting game, was also a game where I really didn't mind uh, spending a few extra dollars on DLC because I got a really good game to begin with. And Soul Calibur Six, I feel like, does earn its DLC. Like, the game gives you enough with the, you know, asking price. It's got plenty of game modes, whether or not you're going to play through them all the way or not. Uh, it's definitely worth, you know, picking up some of the DLC for that game as well, I'd say. So, uh, two questions. Question number one, uh, are you going to be picking up that Power Rangers fighting game? Uh, nope. I didn't know that was a thing, and I probably won't pick it up unless it's somehow the most amazing fighting game of the year. Where are you at with um, Power Rangers? Is that kind of like, were, were you too old at that point? Because I remember watching Power Rangers, but I had a brother that, you know, is 10 years younger than me, so I, I, I doubt that without him being 10 years younger, I would have even paid any attention. Or do you just not into the Power Rangers because um, I well no I was a Power Rangers kid I did uh, I did enjoy the first few seasons and you know the uh, one or two of the movies embarrassingly enough but uh, yeah I'm not I'm not like completely you know estranged from Power Rangers so I mean if it is good then it's something that I definitely take a look at into but for a Power Rangers game to win me over it's got to be a cut above the rest of the fighting games. Yeah, I'm just curious, like how it plays. Like, are you are you the avatar, or like, is there some kind of like you are able to summon, you know, your your pterodactyl or whatever, whatever the case may be, your T Rex, uh, and and use that in combat. I'm just curious how they do all that and uh, how good it looks. I don't know if they're giving this game a real budget, but if they did it, I feel like uh, there could be something cool there. Um, I lied, so now I have three questions. Which is your um, favorite Power Ranger? Were you a Red Ranger guy? Uh, Billy, I guess I could say uh, he was the Blue Ranger. Um, okay, he was he, a nerd, right? Yeah, he was the science guy, so you know, I kind of leaned more toward him until, of course, Tommy came along. The oh, green he was a Green Ranger? Ranger? Right, right. Yeah, so green has always been my favorite color, so whenever he came uh, with the Green Ranger outfit, then, yeah, he was my favorite. He's most people's favorite Power Ranger. Is he the one that had the flute that would summon his thing? <laughs> yeah, his his flute was a dagger <laughs> that he used to summon his sword, I believe. Yes. God bless you, Power Ranger. <laughs> All right, and then my next question was uh, Mortal Kombat. Did you see the reveal for that? Is that still not doing anything for you? Is the hyperviolence just too much at this point in your... Well, okay, so this Mortal Kombat does have me a little bit more intrigued than the previous ones do, and it's mainly because of the customization that they're bringing to the franchise with this installment. I really like the fact that they're giving us classic versions of Mortal Kombat characters as well as newer versions, and the ability to kind of customize the way they play and the way they look. So that part very much has me intrigued. I've also heard that they've made some adjustments to, uh, like, the X-ray bone-crushing, uh, you know, gameplay mechanic. 
I don't know exactly uh, all the tweaks they've made to it, but I'm interested a little bit more in this Mortal Kombat than I have been in previous ones because of just the customization options. The hyper-violence thing, as you know, just, like, I enjoy it. It doesn't bother me, but it it becomes, it's, there's so much of it that I get desensitized to it so quick that I feel like the main draw of the game being the hyper-violence becomes the main detracting point for me. And it doesn't take long for it to wear out its welcome with me, so... This is one that I'll probably keep my... I'll definitely keep be keeping my eye on it, but whether or not I pick it up really depends on whether uh, the customization and the character selection really holds up. So we'll see. We'll see on this one. I do have my eye on it, though. Yeah, shout out to uh, Ron <laughs> Rousey voicing uh, Sonya Blade. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so they're bringing in some uh, MMA characters and into the mix. So I thought that was really cool. Who knows? Maybe my brother will play like a uh, Mortal Kombat character one day. You never know, right? Oh, one could only hope. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I actually didn't check out any, um, any footage on it and stuff. Um, I'm assuming they're going to lean into the hyper violence like they did with 10. But like you're saying, uh, uh, there, maybe there will be a way that you can turn the x-ray mode off. And if so, I'd be a lot more um, curious about it then. Because like you were saying, like getting to play as some of the like old school characters, I'd be all over that. Like I want to uh, rock Baraka again. I heard he's in it. So, um, you know, if they bring back some of those older characters and the gameplay uh, is as good as I think it might be, then I might actually check uh, this one out. Because you know me, I'm not the biggest uh, into fighting games, but Mortal Kombat, it has uh, a special place in my heart. Back when I had my Sega Genesis, nobody could beat me in Mortal Kombat 2. So uh, what, we're at Mortal Kombat, what's this, 11, right? <laughs> yeah. It might be time, man. <laughs> it might be time. Uh, but anything else there, Nate? I think I think that's about all I got for you this month. Okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to talk about it very briefly, and I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, Far Cry is my favorite video game uh, franchise of all time, and uh, I've been kind of uh, cold on uh, New Dawn. I, I, I think <coughs> it's going to be reskin, uh, but I did want to just say that there has been some new information that's come out on it that I'm very intrigued by, and they're saying with New Dawn, they're taking the franchise to a whole new um, uh, area, and now it's going to have light RPG mechanics to it. Um, have you heard anything about that? I have not. So now there's going uh, enemies are going to have you know your typical bar above the head indicating their their the amount of damage that they can take. So that's one of the new things that's very welcome to me. So now I know if I need to use a stronger weapon or use a different tactic against them. So I like that idea. Also, there's a create your own weapons now, so you can create weapons. Um, and you can find like new, like legendary weapons and things that, like you would find in an RPG um, in um, New Dawn. So I'm I'm very intrigued by that, and I think it's very uh, welcome to the franchise. That's one thing that I feel like uh, 
Far Cry has always been a little behind on is stuff like that. And uh, I think um, having some light RPG mechanics in the next game has me very intrigued and um, I'm kind of happy by it. What do you think about that? Do you think that uh, turning the Fry Far Cry franchise into a little bit of an RPG, do you think it makes sense? Do you not like that idea? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm always going to be a little bit partial to RPG mechanics. I like the I like the feel of progression you get from those sort of systems. So that definitely sounds like a plus in my book. Yeah, just the the fact of knowing that, like you know, you could kill an enemy, and uh, they could reward you with a weapon that is extremely rare that nobody else has. Because to me, that's like the carry on the end of the stick in a lot of these loot driven games. And bringing that into uh, the Far Cry world, I'm all about it, man. And uh, I'm going to be keeping a closer eye on the game now. And if reviews come in strong, then it might end up being a day one purchase. But we'll see uh, when the time comes. But just wanted to bring that up and uh, let you know I'm keeping my eyes on that one, guys. Um, other than that, Nate, as per usual, I thank you for joining me. Um, I wanted to experiment with Hangouts one last time and just see if this might be a better way to record because what I was trying to do, Nate, is as we were talking about these games, I figured you were going to throw an obscure one my way. And I like being able to kind of look at the art style and I like to be able to sh show the listeners that as well. Um, I don't know how the sound quality is going to be, so uh, I'm going to dissect it once we're done. And if it doesn't sound as good as the way we recorded last month, then we'll go back to using Skype. But if anyone was wondering why we're back on Hangouts, that's why I'm going to keep trying to uh, evolve the podcast and give you guys the best quality that we can possibly uh, give. So uh, thank you for joining me, Nate. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in February. Later, guys.